Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be taking a look at mere Christianity and the 85% deficit. What am I talking about? Stay with us. Mere Christianity was a series of broadcasts that C.S. Lewis did during World War II on BBC. These were live 15-minute broadcasts. Then those broadcasts were so popular, they were put into the book by the same title, Mere Christianity. And in my opinion, and opinion of many, many others, it was one of the most significant books, Christian books, of the 20th century. A couple of things that um, I guess Lewis's impact in my life, I went to an evangelical seminary, and one of my elective classes was an evangelism class. And I was wondering, well, what are they going to teach us? Some new strategy that people are using for evangelism that I don't know about. So we get to the class and found out that it was actually going to be a, a pretty rigorous class. There's going to be a lot of reading. Yet 100% of the reading for an evangelism class was C.S. Lewis. And I think the professor, besides exposing us to Lewis in a big way, reading a wide spectrum of his books, he was trying to make a statement like, here's a person who knows how to communicate to 20th century people. And I would say equally to 21st century. Second thing that's had an influence in my life and it's having an ongoing influence I was mentioning C.S. Lewis, uh, I forgot what I was studying at the time, but our theological advisor for the Family Life Center at the time was a priest, very well read, and he says, well, you have to get a hold of Walter Hooper's book entitled C.S. Lewis, Companion and Guide. It's a big, thick book, and I use it as a reference point. So if I want to research mere Christianity or know how to... Uh, suggest to parents how they can use the Chronicles of Narnia and how they should communicate and answer questions to their children following Lewis's lead, and then you could read the chapter on Narnia. And this is just just a wonderful guide and should be something, it'd be a great Christmas gift for a serious high school student that's going to be doing papers on Lewis or a college student that will be doing papers on Lewis. But I was actually researching another one of Lewis's books for a broadcast, actually. And as usual, this is such a good book. After I was done, I was flipping around and came to some of Walter Hooper's collection of comments on Lewis's mind regarding his writing and selection of writing and what he wrote about and what he didn't write about when it came to mere Christianity. And this is what Walter Hooper says, quote, Lewis was determined that he would only speak of those things which unified Christians. Again, 
from the time of his conversion, he seems to have made up his mind to speak only of those things which unified Christians. We see him arguing for this mere Christianity position as early as August 1933, and Lewis was converted in November of 31, so less than two years after his conversion, he seems to be solidifying this position. He wrote to one of his friends who became a Catholic, studying Aquinas. He said, quote, When all is said about the divisions of Christendom, there remains, by God's mercy, an enormous amount of common ground. And Hooper Someplace I came across that Lewis felt that 85% of Christian truth was shared by all the various different Christian groups. Lewis, now quoted by Hooper, says this, Because I was an unbeliever for a long time, I perceive something which perhaps those brought up in the church do not see. Even when I feared and detested Christianity, I was struck by its essential unity, which, in spite of its divisions, it has never lost. And he goes on. Since my conversion, it has seen my particular task to tell the outside world what all Christians believe. Controversy, I leave to others, unquote. And then you get to the introduction to mere Christianity, the second series, and he says this, One thing I can promise you, in spite of all the unfortunate differences between Christians, what they agree on is still something pretty big and pretty solid, big enough to blow any of us sky high. Now, <laughs> Lewis was a medieval... English uh, professor, an expert, and he's not given to excess of language, but he says the mere Christianity, that 85%, which is shared amongst Christians, is still big enough, despite our differences, to blow any of us sky high. Hmm. And so he defines mere Christianity as this, the belief that has been common to nearly all Christians at all times. Now, it was interesting that Lewis wanted to preserve this mere Christianity for 20th century people, particularly those outside of all Christian belief. And so when he wrote his scripts for the radio shows for mere Christianity, he sent them to four friends asking for feedback. He generally wanted to have that that solid 85% core. So he, he sent them to a Church of England theologian, a Roman Catholic friend, a Presbyterian, and a Methodist asking for feedback. Uh, two of them were 100% on board, the other two generally on board with some minor corrections uh, suggested. Here's what we want to um, talk about today. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that Lewis is basically correct that 85% of Christianity is shared among the various groups. Now, if you want to debate with me, that's fine. If you want to say, no, it's more like 70% or 75%, um, that's fine. But 
the point remains that there's a vast amount of shared belief. And that's what, of course, mere Christianity was trying to convey. But for the episode today, just agree with me that the of the 85% number, so I don't have to change the title of this episode. Okay, here we go. There is an extremely important influence on what happens to Catholics or any other Christian group as a result of what they do with the remaining 15%. Okay? Just to summarize again, Lewis felt that this big chunk of Christianity is shared amongst the various groups. He said around 85%. So what I'm trying to drive at in this broadcast today is not the 85%, but the 15%. What do we do with the 15%? Now, let me say this twice in case somebody misunderstands me. It is important for Catholics to emphasize the 15%. And I'm going to say it twice just so we get this across. It is important for Catholics to emphasize the 15%. What things would that be? Well, in particular, you find things like the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and bishops in the United States have determined there's a lot more emphasis needed to be given to that, okay? Uh, one of the things you find are Marian doctrines. Probably some of the more distinctive Catholic beliefs uh, of that 15%, particularly in contrast to most Protestant groups. Um, and probably along with that would be the role of the Pope and papal teaching. And there's certainly others, but these are three of the biggies amongst the 15%. So, Again, for the third time, in case I'm misunderstood, let me say it is essential that the 15% is communicated to children, youth, and adults. So this would include themes in summer uh, catechetical camps for children, CCD classes, conference topics, radio broadcast, homily themes, the whole gamut. It's important to emphasize the 15%. And now we come to the big but. But what happens when Catholics take that 15%, which needs to be emphasized, but take it too far and overemphasize the 15%? And in my observation, and I think I've been guilty of the overemphasis aspect, so I plead guilty of this. I see it as a very common occurrence in Catholic circles, Catholic broadcasting, conferences, uh, publications, books, and everything else. Um, what happens when you overemphasize the 15%? Because you're trying to do a good and necessary thing. Christianity, the Christian faith, the Catholic faith, is 100%, okay? It's the 85% in common with other groups. And then there's those doctrines that are critical to the fullness of the faith that need to be emphasized to have that full expression of the Catholic faith. But what if you overemphasize that 15%? 
listen, the knowledge of the 85% diminishes to the degree that the 15% is overemphasized, okay? You put 85 and 15 together, and again, we're just hypothetical estimates here, but 85 and 15 is 100%. But what if you try to be too Catholic in the sense that you, you simply are beating these doctrines or blowing up these doctrines to an emphasis that's not found in Scripture, not found in sacred tradition, not found in the church fathers, not found in the catechism of the Catholic Church. And if they're so overemphasized, remember, the knowledge of the 85% diminishes. And these are important things. Um, not picking on anybody, but I remember a, a visit to a Catholic high school. And before I spoke to a class of really bright, eager uh, students, it was real obvious that they had the 15% down. They were doing a whole litany of specific Catholic prayers and um it was, it was really encouraging. They had been well catechized on the 15%. It was obviously emphasized, but they couldn't open to a important book in the New Testament that I asked them to open to. In fact, they didn't know if it was in the New Testament or the Old Testament, or I had to show them the table of contents in their Bibles and where the book was. In other words, um, this group had a very good 15% emphasis, but it seemed to me that an overemphasis had led to a deficit in the 85%. And again, I plead guilty to this in the sense that, and, and very often I've been asked to speak at topics of at conferences because it you know, gathers people for an apologetics talk if you're really going to strike at one of these uh, other, um, what shall I say, distinctive doctrines of Catholicism. But I think it would be wise for us to take a deep breath and maybe learn something from Lewis. And I'm not saying become wishy-washy uh, ecumenical at all. I'm saying be 100% Catholic. But listening to Lewis, because he really felt that modern England, and you can certainly put modern USA right up there with modern England, needed to hear some of the basics of Christianity that were being lost. And that's why he broadcast mere Christianity. And I think if we like even look at a balance like you find in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it's different from the balance you might hear from apologetics shows and the questions answered, conference topics, book titles, and this type of thing. Let's, let's give a couple examples. Probably the most fundamental truth amongst the 85% of mere Christianity that's necessary to go to heaven, okay? 
and that is the doctrine of grace, that we're incapable of saving ourselves. We're incapable of, on our own doing, making ourselves lovable in God's sight, making our own redemption by the good things we may do or the bad things we may not do. Grace is fundamental. And for instance, Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. Now, those two short verses from Ephesians chapter 2, I used repeatedly to lead Catholics out of the church as an evangelical. You heard me. Because even though they may have known some things about their Catholic faith, the big 85% of mere Christianity, like salvation is by grace, it's pretty clear in the Bible, they hadn't heard. Now, the next verse says that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, but that's not trying to earn your way to God. I went 20 years as an evangelical youth pastor and pastor, and I never ran into a Catholic who could explain grace to me. I'm not saying they didn't exist. I'm just saying I didn't meet one. And of course, that reinforced my erroneous beliefs that the Catholic Church didn't emphasize um, grace. Well, it does. But see, if you overemphasize some 15% and neglect some 85% truths, you can run into real trouble. And again, one of the books that I have recommended over and over is a tiny little book published by Ignatius Press entitled Introduction to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I even reproduced with permission part of pages 48 and 49 in my book entitled Grace and Justification. And this is written by then uh, Cardinal Ratzinger and then uh, Archbishop Schornborn on the, the authors of the catechism. And this is what they say. The primary emphasis, the primary emphasis, that means number one, top shelf, main point, the primary emphasis in catechesis is to be given to God and his works. Whatever man has to do will always be a response to God and his works. God is first, grace is first. This is the true hierarchy of truth. Catechesis, therefore, must lead primarily to the worship of God and to proclamation of his great works to the praise of his grace. And he goes on to say the very uh, uh, arrangement, the, the four points of the catechism, the four sections are arranged to emphasize God and his grace. And yet, when I mention this at a conference, I mob people coming up to me with their smartphones wanting to take pictures of these pages and says, wow, we've never heard this. Never heard this. This is what the whole catechism is about. This is why it was arranged in this order. And this is part of the 85%. In fact, in Hebrews, Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 6 and verse 1, it says this, let us leave the elementary doctrine, that's part of the 
of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Repentance from dead works is quit trying to save yourself. It's impossible. Uh, For God so loved the world, he sent his son to save us, and that requires faith in the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. That is an elemental doctrine. It's foundational doctrine. And if you're going to build a house, you know, you can have a great 15% and you can emphasize it all you want. But if that house you're building lacks a foundation, guess what? It goes nowhere. It doesn't even collapse. You'll not even build that. But you say, well, you know, don't the Protestants emphasize grace a lot? They do. Evangelicals particularly. And so does Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI, and so does Cardinal Schornborn, who together were the primary authors of the catechism, and says the entire catechism of the Catholic Church does this. And see what I'm getting at. We're not just out to market books with, you know, trying to find something that catches people's attention. Lewis said there's enough truth in the 85% to blow all of us sky high. And that's what we need to keep apart. I'm not saying one versus the other. I'm saying keep both together. But by overemphasizing some of the distinctives and we neglect the other, we get into deep trouble. All right, let me give you another example. And there could be several. I'm just giving you another one. What about the Holy Spirit? Okay, the Holy Spirit is a part of all Christian groups. That's a part of the 85%. But somebody says, well, yeah, but... And we have some Catholic charismatics, but really, in the Protestant circles, those Pentecostals and charismatics receive far too much emphasis. They emphasize the Holy Spirit, left, right, and center. Well... (laughs) Maybe they do, but maybe we can listen a little bit from them and learn how a hungry or somewhat feeling empty Catholic, realizing that um, there might be more to a life in the Holy Spirit, and what are some gracious ways in which we might have greater availability of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and in our children's lives. You know, it says in John 14, excuse me, this is 1 John, excuse me, and by this we know that he abides in us. By this we know that Jesus lives in us. How? By the Spirit whom he has given us. By the Spirit, he has given us. And how many young people going through a confirmation class will know this if they hadn't been told it? In other words, they don't know this by the experience that God has given his Spirit to us. And I'm not talking about abstract religious knowledge, okay? It says in Romans 5.5, and this was the scripture I was trying to get my high school students to turn to and they couldn't find, because I wanted them to know that God loved them and how they can know that God loved them. It says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. 
You see, the Holy Spirit brings that first-person, strong, experiential, and I'm not talking about flaky emotions. I'm talking about something at the core of your being that, according to C.S. Lewis, has enough truth in it to blow our lives sky high. That verse isn't just a verse for Protestant Pentecostals and Charismatics. This is the most frequently cited verse by St. Augustine used over 200 times. You see, that's part of the 85%. And you're not going to have a bestseller by selling a book and saying, well, let's go back to Romans 5.5. But we all really need to go back to Romans 5.5 because that's how we grow as Christians. And Lewis, let me come back to him, said, when grave persons express their fear that England is relapsing in paganism, I'm tempted to reply, I wish she were. In other words, he realized that pagans were pre-Christians. They had moral absolutes, but their, their absolutes were defective, but at least they had them. And in today's world, the Knights of Columbus found that 82% of Catholic millennials say morals are relative. That's not even pre-Christian. That's not even pagan. That's not even the 85%. That's the basement. So all I'm saying is in our catechesis, in our teaching, in our broadcasts, in our homilies, in our books, in everything, let's keep the balance we find in the catechism of the Catholic Church, enjoy the fullness of the Catholic faith by not overdoing anything, but keeping everything in its proper focus and proper balance. And parents, let me just say to you, in today's world, it would be wise to take full responsibility to make sure the 85% of the Christian faith isn't being overlooked in a well-intentioned effort to emphasize the necessary 15% of distinctive Catholic truths. Make sure they're getting all of it, because in the days in we're living, um, substandard Christianity isn't called for. We want the fullness of the faith, and that includes the 85% and all of the 15%. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 417 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.